there, this is Laren Baker and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today we're chatting with Althea Brown, a certified Whole30 coach and creator of the immensely popular blog Metamg, where she shares recipes inspired by Guyanese traditions and Caribbean flavors. Born and raised in Guyana, Althea is now based in Denver, Colorado, and found herself missing the flavors of home, which she shares with her audience, along with Caribbean Whole30 and Paleo recipes. This year, she published her first cookbook, Caribbean Paleo, 75 Wholesome Dishes Celebrating Tropical Cuisine and Culture. Thank you for joining me, Althea. Yay, thank you so much for having me. I'm almost like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly is you. Well, I always start by asking, what's the first thing that you ever cooked and about how old were you? The first thing I ever cooked, ever I can remember cooking was roti, which is a really wild memory to have because roti is so complicated. Um, and I think it's because it's so complicated and I made it so often in my childhood that that's the memory I have. I was about nine years old and my mom was teaching me how to make roti. Um, and so, you know, my mom, who is a Caribbean woman, has no recipes has no like <laughs> measures nothing and if you can imagine we're in our little house in Guyana and she's teaching me how to like measure flour with my hand and she's basically saying like a palm full of flour equals one roti and then you know you add the baking powder you add the salt you add the water and then you mix it together until you get this dough I don't remember failing at this, but I know I failed at this because <laughs> it took me years after to actually perfect roti, like way into my adulthood mm. um, and having to make it for my family. It was when I actually perfected it. And somehow I made it throughout my childhood because it was such a staple for us. And sometimes my mom would say, you mix the dough and I'll make the roti or I'll mix the dough and you make the roti. So I made roti many, many times during my childhood. But I never like nailed it on my own. It was always with my mom's guidance. And that's the the memory that I have of just being in the kitchen and she's showing me and she's like pressing the dough and kneading. And somehow that's lodged as a core memory for me. What a special memory. I also can't help but think, well, maybe you didn't, you know, nail the recipe because your hands were growing the whole time. (laughs) The measurements (laughs) are constantly changing. Exactly, exactly. Because even I, and I also remember like once making it and totally like watching it. And my mom saying like, didn't you do it how I told you? And I'm like, but my hands aren't the same as yours. (laughs) That would be my excuse. We have different sized hands. (laughs) Well, can you tell everyone a little bit more about your childhood in Guyana? And then, you know, what brought you to start and create Metamji? Yeah. Um, So I grew up in Guyana. I moved to the U.S. when I was about 18 and went to college in New York. So I went to Brooklyn College. Um, Growing up in Guyana was a whole different world. I didn't know that like this whole whole other universe existed like Guyana was my world. So growing up in a tropical country, eating tropical food, spending a lot of time with my grandmothers. One was Hindu um, and Indo-Guyanese and one was Afro-Guyanese. So just growing up with them and and experiencing different worlds of cuisines. So with my Indo-Guyanese, I experienced things like um, 
Diwali and Pagwa, all of those Hindu festivals and all of the sweets and the curries and the flavors that go with that and roti, right? And then with my Afro-Guyanese, I experience all of the Afro-Caribbean dishes like metemji, which actually my blog is named after, is a stew um, or soup, depending on how you swing, with like root vegetables and coconut milk. So just growing up and experiencing all these flavors, food, good food, was always a part of my childhood and my story. Um, fast forward, I'm, I'm getting married. I moved to Denver. Uh, there are no Caribbean restaurants anywhere that I can find. There's no Guyanese anything. And suddenly I'm missing my mom's home cooking. I'm missing living in New York, which is like a hub for every possible cuisine you can think of and all of the like little cook shops that you can just pop in when you want to eat something mm -hmm. and now having to figure it out all on my own. I had always been cooking. I'd always been cooking. I grew up with like real traditional values. You know, the girls are in the kitchen. Your mom's teaching you how to cook from a young age, like we talked about a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And so I've always cooked. Now, my mom has always been at home and always cooking too. So I didn't really have to depend on my cooking to survive until I like lived on my own through college and grad school. But even then I wasn't really cooking, cooking. I was just like eating whatever I wanted. But now I have to cook. Now I'm married. Um, you know, I have a child and now I want my children to understand what our culture is around food and the things that I grew up with. And I found myself calling my mom constantly saying, hey, mom, what do you put in this? How do you make this? How can I get this to taste like yours? And she would give me her like version of a recipe, which like I said yeah. earlier was like yeah. no measurements, no nothing. And with like tips, like you'll know when it's ready. Like you'll know, you've seen it done, you'll know. And I started recording these recipes and started talking to friends about it. Like, can you imagine my mom telling me how to make roti this way? And they were all laughing. And my <laughs> friends were like, you should start blogging about this. This is like really good stuff. And I was like, you know what, I will. And I started this blog in 2013. My my son was one. And I was like, I'm going to use it as a way to just capture family recipes. I would call my grandmother and ask her how to make things. Both of my grandmothers are no longer with us. But I would call my grandmother, I was like that, and ask her, like, how do you make bread? How do you make this? How do you make that? And then, like, kind of work backwards from what they said, because mm -hmm. I get no measurements, and record that. And from then, Metemji, the blog, started. I have a very similar path to yours, so it tugs at my heartstrings because I know very well what it's like to miss the flavors that you grew up with and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm the one who has to recreate them and I need to figure <laughs> out how to nail the flavors and you're just trying to like get it all over the phone. I was the same way in grad school calling my aunts and like, okay, what's in that recipe? So I'm so glad that yeah. you are archiving these for your family and for your children especially because I know that they're going to really treasure that later on in life. Um, and I also love how you describe Metemji as happiness in a bowl. It sounds so, so cozy. <laughs> it's so good. It's perfect for this kind of weather right now, but it really is. It's like root vegetables, like heavy, hardcore comfort food. And then coconut milk, like who doesn't like a coconut milk broth? Like mm -hmm. it's just, it is really heaven in a bowl. And that's why I named my blog Metemji. I wanted people to feel as satisfied as I do when I have Metemji when they leave the blog. And also it's the thing that my grandmother made for me most often. And I just feel connected to her whenever I talk about food and, and all these experiences and recipes. Like I just feel directly connected to her. Mm, so good. Okay, but we have to talk about paleo. How did yes. how did you get to 
to, you know, becoming such an expert in paleo? Yeah. So Guidi's food, um, the food I grew up with eating is not necessarily paleo. Although while I was writing this book, I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of the core recipes are paleo if you Mm. just don't add a bunch of extra stuff into it. Uh, And so in 2016, I figured out that I had a gluten sensitivity. And then through like, you know, process of elimination, I figured out that when I actually eat paleo, I feel like my best self, I feel energetic, you know, I don't have aches and pains, I don't have acid reflux. And so I started having a, I always said paleo-ish diet, (laughs) because I'm not like 100% strict paleo. If my mom came here and made roti, I probably will eat it and deal with whatever consequences (laughs) come. But for the most part, I'm paleo. And so I found myself struggling because, like I said, when I moved here, I wanted to have all those flavors I was familiar with. Well, same thing. Now that I'm paleo, I want to eat the food that I'm so used to, the stews and and the side dishes and have all those flavors. But because of some of the restrictions of paleo, you know, not being able to have gluten and dairy and grains. Grains was a big one because Mm -hmm. as a Caribbean person, rice is a staple in our diet. Like it's a huge part of who we are. And not having like legumes, peas and beans are also a huge part of who we are, right? right? And so having to like think of other ingredients, think of things that I can tweak and make into paleo. And I started exploring these recipes and started talking about it as part of my platform and saying like, I've given you guys all the traditional recipes and they will always live on my blog. But actually this is how I eat and this is how I've sort of tweaked my recipes, remixed them if you will, to suit my diet. And I'm sharing them for anybody else who feels like this. And to my surprise, there were so many other people who were gluten-free, who were paleo, who for some reason or other had to now be dairy-free and Mm -hmm. kind of go through this whole motion. And so that um, really energized me to keep going and keep learning and keep sharing. Oh, I love it. I love it, especially that your audience was very welcoming of that addition to your blog because you know I think it's good to have options and there's lots of people out there who have those sensitivities and intolerances so I'm glad that's that's there let's go back a little and let's get to the heart of Guyanese cuisine because I know that there can be some confusion for people who may not be familiar with the geography and the cuisine of Guyana so maybe describe it for everybody where where is (laughs) Guyana. Yeah. In relation to the Caribbean. Yeah. So this is a popular question. So Guyana (laughs) is actually in South America, which confuses everyone, right? Um, Sometimes people think I'm saying Ghana, which Mm. is in Africa, which is a whole other ballgame. But Uh Guyana is in South America. It's on the northern tip and it borders. um, It's bordered by the Atlantic Ocean, Brazil on the bottom, Venezuela to the left, and Suriname to the right. So kind of geography, you can get a little idea of where we are. Um, And if that confuses anyone as to why I say I'm a Caribbean person and I'm not like with the other islands in the Caribbean Sea, it's because Guyana has a history of British colonization and plantation agriculture. So mm-hmm. it was the only colony um, that British had, the British had in South America. And so it made sense for them to connect us to the other colonies that they had in the Caribbean instead of us being connected to all of the other South American countries who speak Spanish or mm-hmm. you know Brazil that speaks Portuguese. And so. Our culture looks very similar to the culture of 
other Caribbean countries that had British colonization. So like Jamaica and Barbados and Trinidad, like all we all have similarities to other English speaking Caribbean countries. Mm -hmm. And the reason that is, is because of plantation agriculture. All of the sugar plantation, the rice plantations needed a labor force. And with the abolition of slavery, they looked to other colonies that the British had. They had their hand in India, and so they brought a lot of Indians over to Guyana as a dentured laborer, which was just another way of saying slavery, right? Mm -hmm. And so they brought them over to, to be indentured laborers, and, and they brought with them their food and their culture. So in Guyana, we have a large population of Afro-Guyanese who are um, descendants from enslaved Africans, and we have a large population of Indo-Guyanese who are descendants of the indentured laborers that came from India. And so we have lots of Indian dishes like the curries and the rotis and we have the sweets and all that stuff. And then we have lots of Afro-influenced dishes as well. We also have Chinese people living in Guyana who also came to work on the plantation and to help build up um, after indentured servitude ended. We also have our native um, Guyanese people who are Amerindians and they're descendants from Arawaks and Caribs and they have their food and their culture is very prevalent in Guyana. And then we have some European influences. So we have all the stuff that the British brought, their pies, their meat pies, their pastries. We have stuff that the Portuguese brought like the Portuguese breads, uh, Portuguese tarts and malasadas. So mm -hmm. in that like melting pot, we have all of these dishes and that represent the culture and the cuisine of Guyana, but also have lots of similarities to other Caribbean countries. And so geographically, we're South American, but mm -hmm. culturally, we're 100% Caribbean. I find this so, so fascinating. <laughs> um, my background is Filipino, so I very much understand that, you know, that melting pot that occurs when you have different colon colonization experiences and different experiences overall from <clears throat> people who have come to, you know, to live and work in a country. Um, and I love that you have a, a dedicated chapter to Caribbean favorites, and there's so many beautiful jerk flavors and things like macaroni pie. And when you talked about the Chinese population, I was, I have to admit, I was surprised to see the Asian touches there, the Chinese inspired yeah. roast chicken and the shrimp chow mein. It's just so, so yeah. interesting to learn about the different ethnicities in Guyana. No, it definitely sometimes I like even on my blog when I share things, like if I share chow mein and I say like, I know that this is Lao Min, but in Guyana, we call it Xiao Min, and like, this is what yep. it looks like, and this is how we make it. And I kind of have to explain like why we have this background and somehow things got a little confused. But if you go to a Guyanese person and you say you want Xiao Min, like, this is what you're going to get. And it is part of the fabric of who I am, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's so good. Okay, we've got to talk about Caribbean street food. You have a chapter on that too. Can you tell us more, and I hope I'm saying it right, uh, about Begani? Baigani, yeah. Baigani. So, yeah, so Baigani is, um, it's an Indo-Guyanese dish made with eggplant, and it's really like an eggplant fritter. Traditionally, mm -hmm. it's made with um, a chickpea flour batter, or sometimes a split pea flour batter, and you know, peas and legumes are not allowed on paleo, so one of the things um, that I challenged myself was like, how can I recreate these recipes, but actually make them taste almost exactly the same by using non-traditional ingredients in a different way. So the thing that I use in this recipe is farine, which is um, an Amerindian 
um, ingredient in Guyana. So it's made from cassava. It's a byproduct of casrip, which is a dark sauce that we use in Guyana, and it's made exclusively by our native community. So the Amerindians make casrip and they sell it, and it's like think soy sauce, but made with cassava. And so it's used oh, in wow. everything for us. Yeah. So it's used in everything for us, including our national dish, which is pepper pot. And so I um, use farine, which is this byproduct in many different things, because it's really like a cassava meal. So if you think of cornmeal, it has that kind of like grain and texture, but it's made with cassava. It's like fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, as I'm thinking of like, what would give this bigany the same texture as this like split peas, like grind split peas. And then I thought, let's use farine. And I made it. My mom was actually here when I was making it. And she was, she didn't, I didn't even tell her. I was like, <laughs> hey, try my, try my bagony and see, which I do often when I remix things because I want people to be honest with how yes. it tastes. And she was like, oh, this is so good. Oh, it reminds me of when um, grandmother made it. And she used to do this and do that. And it made me feel so good to know that she didn't even know that it didn't have all the traditional ingredients, which is what I aim to do with the book. And so I put that in there because it was one of the things that you can sometimes get uh, as a dish that you buy in the streets in Guyana. It's a snack. You get it with some chutney. It's at a lot of religious, um, Indo-Caribbean religious events. And so... I just needed to like include this part of it because again, really a part of my childhood, really delicious. Eggplant is my favorite vegetable in case nobody knew that. And so I was like, I had to like put it in there. Oh, yum. You're making me so hungry. I love eggplant too. <laughs> but I, speaking of cassava, that leads me perfectly into my next question because I have a special place in my heart for cassava. Tell us more about some of the other recipes in the book and how you use cassava. Yeah. So I used the farine in a couple of different ways. I use it to make like a little pilaf. Um, and because um, it really just reminds me so much of things like quinoa. And, and I, I think that it just goes so well for anybody that's missing quinoa because you can't have grains. And, you know, quinoa is like a seed pseudo grain. So depending on where you flex on that, mm. um, you can use it to replace that. I also use it to make porridge. And then I use actual cassava for things like cassava balls, which are these little like croquettes um, that are just mashed cassava, seasoned, um, and then dipped in some cassava flour and fried. They're so mm. delicious. Again, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Again, um, part of like the street food vibe and then eat, eaten with chutneys, like spicy chutneys. So good. Uh -oh. um, I also use cassava to make like a cassava choka, which is in Guyana, choka is like something that's fire roasted and um, then add, you add like a, a what we call a chunke. So you fry up some onion, garlic, um, peppers, other spices, and then you usually pour it over your roasted ingredients and then you mix it together. For this recipe, I did like boiled cassava and then I added that uh, chunke over it and mixed it in to mimic potato choka, which is very popular in Guyana. So potato choka, you would eat that with like dal and rice and like fish and that sort of stuff. And I wanted to have, I have nothing against white potatoes. I love white potatoes, but I wanted to have something that was more nutrient dense to offer. And mm. cassava is so rich in nutrients and flavor. And it just worked perfectly. So actually cassava, all the cassava dishes are my favorites in the book because I just love cassava so much. 
Oh my gosh. I just want to hang out and cook with you because I think <laughs> I would, I would just like everything that you cooked. So it sounds I know, so let's good. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So there are so many ingredients that I love from my heritage that I mentioned that are in your book. There's the plantains, the calabasa yeah. or pumpkin, cassava, tamarind. It feels so familiar to me. So, but I'm curious, where is your favorite place to shop for ingredients in Denver? Yeah. When I first moved here, it was nightmarish. I couldn't find anything. Oh, no. I had to like, you know, try to think of things that have similar flavors. Like when I wanted uh, pumpkin or calabaza, I would do butternut squash and mm -hmm. um, some of the like bhajis or spinach type greens. I mm -hmm. just use regular American spinach. But now we have like a growing Caribbean community. So oh. I shop. There's a little uh, Jamaican African market, um, not too far from my home that I shop at and I get a lot of ingredients, but then there are also like these huge Asian markets now that carry these ingredients. And what I found is that if you actually ask them, they'll bring the ingredients in. And then if they sell, they become a permanent ingredient. So I've been like being buddies with my local <laughs> Asian grocer and just saying, Hey, can you bring this? Can you bring that? And over time I've seen that they now carry so many Caribbean groceries, which actually are Asian groceries. So things like um, Malabar spinach, that's huge in Guyana. It's that little like thick kind of leafy spinach. It's And it has like a little bit of like texture to it. They carry like the Chinese spinach, which we use, mm -hmm. we call Kalaloo and we use it in our cooking. Awesome. Um, okra, bitter melon. I hate bitter melon, but I got to shout it out because it's always, <laughs> always present in my um, supermarket. Chinese uh -huh. long beans, um, the really nice yeah. clean Chinese long beans. We the use that a ones. lot in our cooking or like the bok choy, the ones that have the white stem. Uh -huh. Those are the ones that we cook all the time in Guyana. So when I see that, when I go to the Asian market, I load up and then I come home. I'm like so happy because it's all the groceries, even like the, the root vegetables that they have in the Asian market are all Caribbean root vegetables. So they're like the Japanese sweet potato. Mm -hmm. That's the sweet potato we use in Guyana. You know, the yams, that's the yams we use in Guyana. So when I, when I need to do like a real comfort food shopping, I just go to my local Asian market. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's so cool. I'm now going to think of you every time because um, on Saturdays <laughs> I go to the farmer's market and there are a couple of Asian farmers or Asian farms, I should say, that have a lot of that produce. So, so many different varieties of the bitter melon and yeah. all the long beans and all. The, it's just crazy. And I love the, the parallels there. So that's so cool. Okay. Quickly, potato roti. It sounds yeah. so good. I want to have it for breakfast every day. Tell everybody about it, please. Yeah, so that's actually my favorite recipe in the book. Because, oh, no kidding. Yeah, so I had missed roti so much because, like, you know, alternative flours don't really work the same way as wheat flour. And roti needs that, like, gluten to really stretch it and get, like, all those layers and stuff. Yeah. And I tried and tried and tried and tried. And Finally, I got a recipe that was close enough, but delicious. And I could mimic my mom's potato roti, which is a roti um, layer dough that's stuffed with a potato filling that's seasoned. And then you like cook it on a skillet or tawa. And then you can rub some ghee on it when you're done and just eat it. And I got to tell you, like the first time I made it, I ate the whole, like three of them all at once. I was just like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't stop. And also because I felt so accomplished, like, yes, I did it. And then the second time I made it, I shared it with everyone in my home and they were like, wow, this is so good. And so I was like, yes, finally, I can put this in the book and feel proud that I've nailed it. And I highly recommend that you make it if you're paleo. 
try this recipe. It's really good. If you're not paleo and you want to try the original, that's also on my blog. Oh, I cannot wait to try it. I'm so, so <laughs> excited. Well, you dedicated Caribbean paleo to some very special women, your late grandmothers that you mentioned, and just all yeah. the women. And I'm so glad you did that. Um, I'm just curious, how how proud is your mom? My mom's super proud. Um, she cried when she saw that dedication. Aww. She had no idea I was going to do it. And then I like thank my mom for doing so much in the acknowledgments because she like really helped me with the whole process. But I really truly learned so much from my grandmothers. Um, I don't remember like a time when I wasn't in the kitchen with them. Like I feel like I was always there on the side. Most of the times I wasn't actually cooking, but just watching them and listening to stories. And those mm -hmm. stories like stayed with me and is kind of why I am how I am, how I'm connected to food, how I think about food, the way I use ingredients. Um, my grandmothers could make a meal out of anything, like just go to their fridge and find things and make a meal, you know? And so I, I strive to do that daily and I strive to have that kind of creativity in the kitchen and it's all because of them. Oh, before I do let you go, I just have some quick, quick closing questions. What's something that you make when you're too tired to cook? I make boneless brown stew chicken. Um, it's on my site. It's not in this book, but it's like so quick and easy. And nobody knows that it took like 15 minutes to cook. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? I think my roti recipe. I think like um, just being able to make this recipe and share it with the world and have so many people have success with it makes me feel proud that like something that's really hard to conquer could be really easy. So it's an easy roti recipe. And it's the one thing that I like always say, start here if you're starting with my blog. Now I'm really making roti this weekend. <laughs> Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? So I'm a neat cook when I'm cooking alone. I'm a messy cook when I'm cooking for content because there's just so many like mm. things that you're trying to move through and get done in this like window of taping. And so it's like chaos when I'm done. But when I'm cooking for myself, my family, I'm a neat cook to a T. <laughs> That's so interesting, the distinction. Yeah. Every week I try to share five little things with my audience. Something that made me smile. Is there anything that made you happy this week? Um, things that made me smile this week. I connected with some with a stranger this morning actually on oh. in the internet, another um, cookbook author, and she was like, "Let's do some stuff together." And it made me so sm smile so much because I had just gotten her book, and somehow we found each other and connected, and I felt like it was divine intervention because it just made my whole day. Oh, see, that's the see, food people are the best. I like yeah. when things like that happen. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Althea, I really enjoyed chatting with you. This was so much fun. You've made me so hungry and curious, which <laughs> <laughs> I honestly like haven't had enough Guyanese food and I don't know why. I lived in New York. You would think that I would have made more Guyanese friends and had <laughs> had that experience, but I cannot wait to cook from your book. Where can everyone find you and Caribbean Paleo? Absolutely. So you can find me and all my content on metmg.com and then at metmg on all the social platforms. You can find Caribbean Paleo in all of your um, bookstores, wherever books are sold, and then online at amazon.com, uh, bookshop.org, and then um, Amazon in the UK and in Canada. Perfect. Althea, I'm excited to follow you and all your delicious adventures. So please keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Learning about Guyanese traditions and Caribbean flavors from Althea was so, so interesting. To me, it's conversations like these that remind me how melting pots of flavors 
not only make the world more delicious, it makes the world smaller too. There are so many familiar ingredients to explore in a whole new way, at least for me. Whether you follow a paleo-ish diet like Althea or not, there's so much to explore in her book. I hope you check it out. Thank you so much to Althea for joining me today and thank you too. It really means so much to me that you tuned in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.